Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Um, hi. hi. I'm so glad we're finally doing this. I know. I feel like every time you and I talk, it reads like a podcast episode. Yeah. So this makes a lot of sense. I agree. Um, do you want to maybe start off by talking a little bit about what you do? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my name is C. Mm-hmm. I go online by Cecilia Rose. I mostly do like customer service, social media content creation. I work in creative directing, um, but obviously on the side hustle, I do OnlyFans. I'm a retired dancer, although I still feel like I like to claim that that's still part of my personality, even though it's not, because I just don't think it ever goes away. It's part of me that like always feels like I'm going to go back to it. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't think like physically I'm there right now. I deal with half health issues and that's part of the reason I stopped dancing um but I was a professional dancer before I got into the stripping world and then uh had health issues uh but I keep feeling like there's going to be a time where I'm like the healthiest I've ever been I'm gonna feel really empowered to come back and it's gonna be in like a completely different way so do you feel like you only stopped stripping because of health issues or did it feel like maybe you had just naturally grown into wanting to do something else or was it a mix of both I think it was kind of a mix of both because honestly um I went in and I was like as soon as this doesn't feel empowering to me anymore I'm not gonna do it yeah and I think it might have been the specific club I was at I just feel like I wasn't feeling empowered if like they're really scamming us out of money um they started hiring more managers that we had to tip out so for anyone that doesn't know in the dancing world um you pay to dance um you usually have to tip out your dj and you also have to tip out your managers at the end of the day what i didn't know this and depending what day of the week so usually like saturdays and sundays or fridays and saturdays they want you to like tip out like 10 to 20 dollars okay so if they put six managers on the floor they each have to get yeah so that's like 80 dollars. and if you want to keep the dj happy that's like 100 dollars that you're tipping out to other people Um, and these managers weren't like doing anything for us. In fact, a lot of times was making my job a lot harder, um, because they would pick favorites of other girls, which is great. It's fine. But I wasn't like a day to day worker. It was only a weekend worker. Yeah. They didn't really like us as much because they didn't feel like we're as dedicated to the job. Um, so I felt like I was like expected to tip out a lot more and then they didn't ever help me out with anything. Even if I had like security issues that I'd go to them for, they'd kind of like leave me hanging. What? Yeah. (laughs) That is awful. Okay, so I had no idea. It's it's so interesting you bring this up because um, I was hanging out with a friend recently who was seeing a girl who's a dancer, and she's, like, in the process of suing her, like, work establishment because of issues with managers yeah. and an issue with the DJ. Like, it's very similar. It's, like, the DJ, I think, was – you know, got a little crush on her and was acting super inappropriate, which made me feel so icky because, well, that happens in every fucking workplace for women. But to have it be in a place where you already have to be vulnerable, you already have to take your clothes off, you already have to deal with, like, you're already catering to men in that way. And then to have to deal with that from somebody who's supposed to really have your back is really fucked up. And then the managers were completely not on her side. I think 
there was some like nepotism issue with the DJ. So the manager's very much on his side. She ended up having to quit and now she's like suing them and like three other girls yeah, as well. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I, I try not to like talk too bad about like the dance world because I don't want to like stigmatize things about it but then there's also this like realistic nature that a lot of people don't want to talk about and it is I mean most clubs I've worked at you deal with like kind of grimy DJs and they're usually like friends with the owner of the business and these guys are just kind of coming in to get their checks and like flirt with the girls and I don't know it's just it's not really the environment you always think it's gonna be yeah there's some clubs that are really great about being like no we're not putting up with this kind of crap I would definitely highly recommend looking into like female-owned clubs, honestly. Yeah. Um, but that power dynamic can still be there even with female-owned clubs because, I mean, it is a good amount of money that they're raking in each day. I mean, if you're getting $20 each girl throughout the day, maybe there's 20 dancers total. I mean, you're already making your paycheck plus these like tips that you're not earning off yeah. of these hardworking dancers. Yeah, that's really messed up. And it's it's extra disheartening, I think, too, because – I feel like I talk a lot about this on the show about this whole idea of like sex work and the fact that so many women aren't protected and they have to hire these like pimps and things like that. Like people don't really understand the dynamics of like needing to be protected and then you kind of end up getting stuck in this world and how, oh, if we destigmatize sex work and we legalize sex work, then it'll be so much better and it'll make it the safe environment for girls because then they can use, you know, regular routes of transaction methods and they can have regular routes of managers and don't have to hire these CD pimps. But dancing is legal. And what we're talking about is still still exists. So I'm like, damn, is there really just no safe space? It kind of feels like that sometimes. I will say there's a lot of like unionized groups that are really trying to help performers. Um, of course, I can't even think of the one off the top of my head that's really big on Twitter. And they're really big on helping dancers, all performers in the porn industry and then OnlyFans okay. as well. And they come in and they'll help you free like legal advice. They'll help you with chargebacks which is a really good thing both yeah. like within the club and outside of the club and they kind of just handle things that are the day-to-day like yeah this is something everybody deals with but here's how you can fight it without also getting in trouble at your club because that's the biggest thing like I feel like a lot of dancers don't want to talk about it because it is for the most part good money yeah money work really hard for but it is really good money and you don't often want to rock the boat because you're like well, I don't want to be the one person to speak up and then of I can't course. come back to the club and then this is the best paying club in town. Yeah. And like also if I burn this bridge, I might burn the bridge at all the other places I need to work at. So now I'm just going to keep quiet about it. But these unions will help people come in and fight it without getting them in trouble necessarily. That's a really good idea. And I'm sure too, it's kind of a small world. Yeah. So it's like if you piss off the wrong person, you could potentially be damaging your reputation at clubs all around the same city. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the best thing you can do is get close with the house mom. Um, You definitely want to be careful to like, there's definitely some house moms. So again, people who don't know a house mom is going to be someone who like, if you rip your uniform, they're to help you sew things. They sell things in the back. Like, cigarettes or sewing kits or first aid things extra uniforms are kind of just there to help manage everybody in the back um i kind of compare it to like when you're a professional dancer and there's a house mom in the back yeah helping you fix everything you do get that in the stripping world as well um most of the time they can be trusted and they can be like a vital source of one information and two backing you up when things are getting kind of spicy because they're going to have known the owners for a long time they tend to be like the woman in the background that kind of knows how to play the men in yeah. the club so they can kind of help you play it in your position without, you know, getting yourself in trouble but also making sure you're 
setting boundaries for yourself. Wow, I love that that exists. I actually had no idea that that was yeah. a thing, so that's really cool. But I, I tend to be the person house moms didn't like. Why? <laughs> because I was like, I, it was a weekend dancer. It's definitely a different vibe from people who um, that is their only source of income and they're coming every day of the week. There's this sort of like, at least here what I experience, there's like a divide between people like, oh, weekend dancers think they're better than everyone else because they go to their nine to five job and then they just come in where the good money's at. Yeah. It's it's always like the service industry, right? It's like the people who they're like, well, she didn't come in on the Monday service where there's no one here where they weren't making any money. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, why would I? When I don't have wow. to. So there's a hierarchy. There is a of. hierarchy. Yeah. And there's, I mean, if you've ever watched like the show P Valley, it's kind of like similar to that too. There's like seniority of the people who've been there for a long time. Fair. Who have a lot of regulars. Yeah. Um, maybe probably even have like a lot of people online that follow them. They probably travel city to city. So they're going to bring in bigger crowds. Yeah. And of course they're going to get more leniency from managers and things like that but yeah there's this divide between like weekend dancers versus everyday dancers is it kind of similar to the divide between i feel like this reminds me of the divide between influencer only fans people and like girls who are strictly doing it because they need to pay their bills and girls who use it as like a supplemental income because they already have a following yeah i do think it's somewhat similar to that which is which is kind of funny because at least in my personal experience, I was a survival dancer. I only got into it because I was very much struggling financially. Right. It wasn't because you like saw a TikTok of a girl making $10,000 and you were like, you know what? This would be something fun and yeah, quirky to like, do. I'm going to do it. I was like, <laughs> I want to do something empowering. And for me, financial stability was going to be empowering for me. Um, you know, I was a homeless teenager. And so I was like, whatever I can do to have enough money kind of sitting in the back yeah. to make sure if anything happens, I'm going to be okay. I'm not like quiet living paycheck to paycheck. But for me, there, it wasn't enough of like a steady flow in dancing for me to trust only doing dancing, yeah. which is similar to the OnlyFans life, right? Yeah. It's like this divide of survival sex workers versus influencers. Most of the time, survival sex workers, although in that world, like can't do just that. Because there's not like a guarantee of how much money is going to come in every month. So, I mean, it is a similar divide. But at the end of the day, I think majority of everyone has the same like needs, wants, yeah. things going on. There are, I've met maybe a few dancers who didn't really need the money, who, you know, had rich parents and they just did it because it seemed like a cool way to get popular online. Right. Um, but honestly, most of the time those dancers don't last very long anyway because I don't think the environment is usually what they think it's going to be. Right. I feel like... It, especially right now, and I think a lot of it does have to do with like social media and TikTok, there's a huge glamorization of sex work. It is shocking. And I see it all the time. I see these girls who are dancers and I get it. They're just trying to like capitalize on, on another market. Like for them, you know what I mean? There's a possibility that a lot of them got into it because they needed to and have now been doing it for years and they see the attention it's getting and the glamorization on TikTok and they're like, fucking sick I'm gonna take advantage of that too but there is a danger to that I think with it people thinking it's just like you get on stage you have these very kind men who sit and you know mind their p's and q's and you walk away with ten thousand dollars that night versus the reality of it which is not always so pretty yeah I definitely agree with that I think it's the same thing with anything on social media right it's like it's never what it actually looks like I think that the glamorization of sex work has been a really good benefit of like keeping people safe, growing the industry, 
Um, but it is hard to then kind of talk about the realities of things. Um, you know, I don't want to like, again, stigmatize any part of dancing, but there, there's a lot of aspects of it that I think we do need to get real about. You know, I tell girls all the time, if you have issues with addiction, this might not be the environment you want to work in, but it's the same thing. You wouldn't go work in a bar if you have addiction issues. Completely. This is the same thing, but 10 times harder. You're going to work in a bar around people. You're being very vulnerable you're kind of expected to give a lot more of yourself. Also, dancing is freaking exhausting. It's hard, hard work. Also, you don't always make a lot of money. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's the same thing with like when people are always like, oh, I'm going to get an OnlyFans. And I'm like, I think that's great. I want to support you in doing anything you want to do. But let me also be real with you on what it's going to look like. Yeah. And that's kind of what I do in the dancing world. You know, a lot of my friends brought in other dancers and like supported them in doing that. I brought in one other friend into dancing and we left at the same time, like the exact same day. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck this. We're over it. Love that. Um, But yeah, there's like, there's a lot of reality checks that you have to have when you're in that world. I mean, you are going to be around drugs. You're going to be around nasty men, um, strange men, men who don't go to therapy and go to strip clubs instead. (laughs) Absolutely. And they're going to trauma dump on you. Yeah. In the middle of you being naked and vulnerable with them. Um, There's just a lot of aspects. Um, there's obviously like it, it is a gateway into full service sex work as well, which I'm totally supportive and okay with. Yeah. But when you're working in a club that's strictly dancing, um, if it saturates the club because there are some people doing full service sex work for the same price that you're doing dances, eventually you're not going to be making any money anymore. That makes sense. Unless you're like for some reason highly sought after like if you're like you said one of those dancers who's like going city to city and people like look forward to you yeah or even just have regulars I think that's the biggest thing I think same with like OnlyFans fan house having really good regulars is really gonna be what helps you feel stable in it and honestly makes it fun too because I think when you really can trust somebody who's regularly coming it almost like feels similar to being a sugar baby yeah but it's interesting that you say the gateway to sex work because so how does that work in terms of, I mean, it's illegal, technically. Yeah. Yes. But in your experience, would you say you can give like, like what percentage of clubs are like uh, maybe allowing it and like looking the other way? Yeah, I think it's hard for me because obviously, and I want to be clear, my comparison is like all Texas clubs. I've right. never worked in like big cities like Miami, Vegas, where like people are coming every day of the week. Completely. And like maybe it is a lot different of a scene. These are like yeah. smaller towns where – People are even here in Austin where like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you might have two people total walk into the club. Damn, okay. And so people are like really fighting to make their money. Um, so I think I've worked at a total of like six or seven clubs total in Texas. And I would say every single club I worked at, people did under the really? table sex work. Okay, yeah. well, that's – I mean, that's a pretty good gauge. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Texas is still pretty big. And if every single one was doing it, that tells me that at least half are yeah. in big – you know what I mean? At least half, probably more. Yeah. And there's some clubs, like I worked at a club here in town that was really great about, they found out, I mean, you genuinely were kicked out because they knew they're like, you're taking money away from other people who, you know, obviously now they can't make $20 off a dance if you're giving a hand job to somebody for $20. Um, But it made it really hard for me to want to do private VIP dances. Um, I totally fully support full service sex work. Yeah. Um, My thing is just take it out of the club. Completely. um, Because you are... Part of doing full service sex work is you are choosing an aspect of safety that gets taken away. And I, I do understand that maybe in the club that feels like a safer place to do it. Yeah. Um, but 
And, and I know it's maybe like kind of comes off as we moved to states where it is legal to do that stuff because it did put me in experiences where I'd be in private VIP and people were really pushing my boundaries. Because they're expecting like, it. Yeah. Oh, well, these other three girls did this. And so now I'm expecting that. And now I'm stuck in this private room yeah. where I'm like, it's really hard for me to get away and there's not security there. And it's it compromising just, your safety. It does compromise my safety. And um, I think for me, I do wish full service sex work was legalized in yeah absolutely because then that would completely go away i actually don't feel like it's the fault of the dancers yeah. that have to do that because everybody's just doing what they can do to get by and i don't feel like i'm completely separated from a full service sex worker like we're emotionally giving the same amount to people um just for me it was not a boundary i wanted to cross in the clubs yeah. i just didn't feel safe doing it yeah um but yeah, so I don't ever want to like blame the dancers, but it, it did, it did saturate the field. That's like, that is part of it that you do have to be realistic about. Um, I have friends that dance up in Portland where it is legal to do uh, full service sex work or a mm-hmm. little bit. It's a little bit, maybe not full service, but they can like play with sex toys on stage. And oh, there's a okay. lot more touching and okay. things like that. They make incredible money. I'm They're sure. a lot safer. There's a lot more protection for them in the clubs. Yeah. Um, and it's honestly really great environments for them. Um, but it's not the same when you get a club down maybe in like Lubbock, Texas, where <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, full nudity, which means it's BYOB and like things are going to get really rowdy really fast. And already you don't feel very safe there because in general, that city is not there to keep women safe, let alone sex workers. Wow. That is actually insane. It's interesting that you brought up to like, the de- like the definition of sex work and like the hierarchy because I think for a while most people listeners know I started an OnlyFans a year ago and I'm extremely I'm probably in like the top right under like Bella Thorne and fucking Tyga in terms of like privileged uh, OnlyFans workers <laughs> because I know awful because I went into it with a following yeah um it wasn't need based was it need-based in the sense that like it's helped me pay my bills? Yes, but I wasn't – it wasn't like OnlyFans was my only option like it is for so many sex workers. But either way, I do it relatively full-time. You know, I don't have like a day job. I do the podcast. I do other things. But it's – I'm in a very privileged position with like the amount of money I make and all of that stuff. And I also don't have to do full-on sex. I haven't even moved to full nudity. And so I'm very lucky in that way. But for a while, I was – not even in a conscious way, but I was – I'd be talking about sex workers in a way as if I wasn't one. Like you're separated. From and it's not. Yeah. It's it's all sex work. It is. I think it's interesting when people start feeling better than other sex workers. You know what I mean? It's like it's this thing where we're most of the time I feel like I'm very privileged or not very privileged. Well, very privileged. Yeah, sure. And very lucky that most of the women I surround myself with are all really, really kind and are very you know liberal and very pro-sex work and very like not judgmental um but and and we kind of all I think go into it with that mindset and then it's interesting when you're in it how you start to want to yeah you build kind of subconscious walls because I think yeah I caught my even myself doing that um where I like separated myself out I think it's like a way to explain myself to people yeah that's exactly why I did it too because it it felt it I almost felt shame yeah you know what I mean? And you have to like kind of catch yourself on that because for me, I was like, well, I do escorting, but I don't like I don't have sex. So I'm not like a, I'm like not fully an escort. I just get paid to go on dates. Yeah. But I'm like, why do I feel the need to separate that and put those into two different categories? Yes. Honestly, it's all the same thing. Your emotional labor. You're creating a fantasy for somebody. Yes. 
you're putting on like a girlfriend experience or whatever it is, you're tending to people's emotional needs. Yes. Um, so it's all the same thing. And I, I had to check myself on it. I was like, why do I constantly, you know, I'm like, if I don't feel comfortable telling this person I escort, then they're probably just not someone I need to have this conversation with anyway. If I need to be like, well, I didn't like fully have sex with people. I was right. just getting paid to like go on little dates. Yes. So it's same like, with me. I'm like, well, but I don't do full nude. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I, I, I make these excuses when in reality, that's really kind of just feeding into this, the shame of sexuality and yeah. sex work, which is really fucked up. Yeah, there's definitely like a big separation I've seen with Twitch because a lot of people on Twitch use Fan House. Okay. Um, versus OnlyFans. And so I don't know if you know the difference. Fan House, you can't even show nipple. Um, It's like, it's, and it, I think that they're even like cracking down even harder if it even like looks like you could even be more nude now. Really? They're like starting to like delete people's pictures and ban it. Um, I can't remember which company owns them, but I think it's like someone in their payment. Maybe Stripe is their payment processor, possibly. So it's the same concept as OnlyFans. Yes. It's just no, no nudity and no sex. Yes. So it's like lewds yes. and lingerie. Yeah, but it's like the same sort of stuff where people can buy like paywalls and things like that. Um, so there is like a big separation in like the Twitch universe I've seen of people. And I'm not even going to pretend like I know a lot about what's going on Twitch. I literally just made an account to like support a friend who does it. It feels very overwhelming. There's a lot yeah. to learn. So yeah. But I've seen it in the separation of like, oh, well, I don't do OnlyFans or oh, I don't do full nude. But I'm like, because you haven't had to. Right. It's a very different world. It's, it is a privilege to be able to go in and be able to sell this without having to post full nudes. Absolutely. And I've even had people, and I, I love this question, be like, how, how? What do you mean? Like, how do you make money? You don't post, you know what I mean? Nudes. Yeah. And I tell them the truth, which is I had a following and I've had a following for 10 years and I've ne barely even posted bikini pics. So I was very lucky and fortunate that I like built up this like very, very kind of like pent up thing. And p at that point, I got lucky enough that people would, were going to pay for anything that looked slightly yeah. sexy to me. I have a conversation a lot with friends about this because I have friends that like that is where their full income comes from. Yeah. And that two separate sides that do full nudity and ones that don't. Yeah. And it's funny because my friends who don't do full nudity, I remember one time I was selling um, on OnlyFans like a piss video, which I don't even know if you can do on OnlyFans anymore. But she was like, you're charging how much? She's like, I charge that much just for like a photo set. And I was like, that's awesome that you can charge that much for a photo yeah. set. I'm like, but I think part of your appeal is you're selling your personality, right? Like Completely. you're big on this gaming website, you're big on Twitch, and it kind of is a selling point for you that you haven't ever posted nudes. Yes, and absolutely. And it's a selling point that like, your boobs cannot be found anywhere online. Yep. I was like, you know, I've always been a little bit overexpressionate online. So it wouldn't be hard to like probably search a free nude of me. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's like a portion of OnlyFans that people don't understand is going to be part of it. Like when I'm giving people the like reality check of like, I want to do OnlyFans. Tell me what to do. I'm like, great. Let me support you in this. Yes. Um, do you have a following already online? Yes. Do you already post partial nudes? If so, like are you okay with posting full nudes online? Are you okay with people wanting a girlfriend experience yes. from you? And if not, be very clear about that, that this is just nudes. You're not going to be having conversations with people. DMs aren't open. Or if DMs are open, they're like paid $5 per DM. Like, yep. You have to be so clear about your boundaries. Which you do. Which is personally what I love about OnlyFans. I love that I could come in, know my own worth set it up very clearly and there's no if ands or buts about it this no. is how much you pay if you don't want to do that you don't have to subscribe to me yeah um and it's not even to be mean it is true there's so much free stuff online there's i mean just go on twitter and you get free porn yeah. every single day and it's like what i'm selling isn't just that i want to build conversations with you i want to get to know you mm -hmm. i want to 
make this a fun experience for both of us, right? Like I, if somebody's wanting customs for me, I'm probably not going to do customs from some needy person no. who's rude, who's not going to be appreciative of it. I want someone who comes in and then they're like, you know what? I like when you feel comfortable. So like, here's what I want, but maybe let's talk about like what things make you feel sexiest. Absolutely. And I've had people like that too, who come in and they like apologize. Like, I'm so sorry if this is weird, but like, this is what I'm into. And it's like, I don't care. It could be the craziest shit you've ever said. And if you come at me with that kind of demeanor, I'm going to be so much more open about it. And I'm going to be like, listen, never apologize. You're allowed to ask. Yeah. I might not say yes, but you're allowed to ask. And like, maybe let's find a medium. Versus somebody comes in and they're like, you know how much porn is online? Like, if you don't do this for $50, you're fucking stupid. I'm like, you yeah. You might as well just unsubscribe now, bro, because you're not getting shit from me. Like, yeah. I don't know if this technique has worked for you in dating, but it's absolutely not going to work for you oh, here. I've literally dated guys who gaslight that way in dating. So it's really <laughs> interesting to see it now on only fans like I dated somebody who was like his power move would be to like call me vanilla right and be like oh you're so vanilla and like my kinks are just so crazy and yours aren't and like you're so boring but in reality he was like projecting his yeah own things and then I, I've seen it now I'm like oh my god this is like a weird power dynamic where like people on OnlyFans will be like oh wow if you don't want to do this like crazy kink that I have you're so vanilla and I'm like the thing is is this probably is a kink I would do with someone I'm comfortable with right but you're coming in trying to like gaslight me into thinking I'm vanilla because I don't like immediately want to respond to your kink. Right. Yeah. And even then, like I'm open to any kinks, but it also doesn't mean anything about anyone if I'm like, you know what? This isn't something I want to do. It's been so empowering for me in my outside relationships. Like, yeah. For me, I can't believe I was ever in a relationship where I let somebody like make me feel like I was vanilla or like. I don't know, like, that I ever dated people where I didn't set boundaries. In fact, it's kind of funny. My favorite stigma that, like, people are really shocked by is I, I'm actually celibate right now. Uh And I haven't had a lot of sex since being on OnlyFans. Yeah. Because I feel like I can do a lot of my sexual expression online. Yeah. And because there's a lot more boundaries with it. And because it's a lot more in my control. Completely. Um, Not that I'm not open to doing it in person anymore. But now my, like... My level of what I want in person is so much higher because one, I can make money off of this online. So part of me is like, why am I going to have sex with this dude for free who's not giving me anything in my life, who is going to ghost me after this, who is playing a bunch of people or even just isn't going to be there for me as a friend if I needed it. Yeah, it's going to make you feel bad in the end. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'd rather just have these relationships that I have online. I feel a lot more sexier online. I don't know. Like I've made myself come way more than random hookups have. Yeah. So I'm like, I I can set higher standards now in person and it feels really good. It does. It feels amazing. So yeah. how how is dating for you? Actually, I want to know what is – has there been a difference in the way that men react when you were a dancer versus you doing OnlyFans? Definitely. And even it's interesting. I even had a guy friend recently we found out that like – has like a different opinion on me now because of it. And it, I, I didn't really expect that. Like, yeah. And it was kind of disappointing, but it was very much like, oh, yeah, you know, you're like, you're kind of a hoe and you sleep around a lot. And like, you know, you're like hypersexual and like horny all the time. And my girlfriends are like, it's funny because we see you as like a 14-year-old perverted boy. And they're like, not in like a weird way, but yeah. like the way you joke online. And like, we don't, like just because you have OnlyFans, we still see you as like, haha, funny version of you yeah. versus like, playgirl hooks up all the time right but it's because my girlfriends listen to me and they know they that see I'm you not, as a whole person yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like we know you're celibate right, right. Now. we know like emotionally what you're looking for and people in dating is this yeah but then like 
men are often they get like they're judgy or i've had guys like get like overexcited about it. i'm like oh my god yes i want to make content you must with be like you. a fucking sexy vixen you're down yeah. for anything oh yeah and they're like i want to make content with you or even like the most frustrating one is people think that my morals are lower yep um so men that have partners who try to talk to me and i'm like if you even just took one second to get to know me first of all one of the first things i say is if i find out your partner and you are not truly open and poly I'm going to tell them. Absolutely. And you can't be mad at me because I'm having this conversation right now telling you yeah. I'm going to tell them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a girl's girl at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I I support like love and monogamy. And um, honestly, on the like outside of OnlyFans, I'm more monogamish than what it seems like online. Absolutely same. Um, and honestly, too, I think if I found – a more secure relationship outside of OnlyFans, I probably would be on OnlyFans less. I do think personally I'm getting my emotional needs kind of taken care of through these multiple interactions online. Yeah. Have you ever done any sort of like, whether it was OnlyFans or even like the escorting or something and been like, oh, I could date this person? Um, so there is one person that I have a crush on on my OnlyFans okay. um, who I think he does OnlyFans himself as well. Um, and we'd been following each other on Twitter before my Twitter got deleted. So I used to have a big Twitter following and then I like bullied Elon Musty and then <laughs> got Twitter deleted and like legit could not come back. And oh then I guess God. like maybe he fell out and buying it or something because recently I remade Twitter again. Um, and I was allowed to make it. Amazing. And he was one of the first people that followed me again. I was like, ooh, okay, got a crush on him. Yeah. I like, I was like, I'm going to follow him on Instagram. I hope this isn't weird. And I was like, you know, follow him on Instagram, message him. And then turns out he's a freaking girlfriend. They're clearly monogamous. And then it was kind of this like, see, this is what happens when I like take the OnlyFans or even the escorting outside of it and like want to try to build a relationship on it because the reality is it's just two different worlds. Yeah. Maybe it's not for everybody, but at least for my personal experience, it's just not the same thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, unfortunately I find that when I do start like, oh, being attracted to or kind of liking someone online, usually they've been putting on a persona for me. Um, Interesting. Do you feel like it's because they think that you're putting on a persona? Potentially, or I think it's just kind of standardly. I don't want to like generalize the male gender, but I do find majority men, even outside of OnlyFans, often say and do what they think I want to hear. Yes. Um, and just in general, what they think women want to hear. And yeah. It does change when you're on OnlyFans and you're a sex worker. Um, they're going to be very different because they're going to be like, oh, this person's a vixen. And yeah. Like, so they're just saying what they think this version of a person wants to hear right and it's like forgetting again that i'm a whole person with emotions and like a life and needs and wants that aren't being met do you feel like there's a difference between that and when you're escorting in per like do you feel like there's like being the anonymity of the internet gives people more of a pass to be more aggressive or more of like a different person versus in person you would think so but i think the in-person aspect of it makes people think they have even more power over you really yeah because i found that when i did so i did name your price was the escorting i did okay um, which it would you would name your own price to go on dates okay um is when i first moved here it was very very poor i was often eating out of dumpsters yeah um, i just went from being like homeless and like the cheapest place to live in texas finally got a home there and then was like i'm gotta get out of lubbock yeah. i'm gonna come to austin um and i was like you know what i'm a hundred dollars a date i was like this feels awkward for me but you know what? if somebody pays me a hundred dollars to go have lunch with them 
for each hour easy done. and you're getting the lunch paid yeah. for and so i was like i barely have food to eat this yeah. is perfect was it through like a service yeah it's called nameyourprice.com oh okay cool yeah. i don't know if it still exists um it probably does it's a very old interface as most of those are like yeah. the sugar daddy and baby websites um but name your price is my favorite i always got responses there's always like businessmen traveling but no they would always put on personas i remember there's this one guy who like tried to pretend he's like this super wealthy guy and then <laughs> As I dug a little further, I found that he like, you know, his like wife left him because he caught her. She caught him doing these sort of things. And he was like oh, living goodness. in a trailer and like selling and like a pyramid scheme. And I think honestly, oh, all of his money was going to like me and like other sex workers. And wow, or, like I this guy got like a promotion at Whole Foods. who's making like a little bit more money and that money was going to me. Yeah. But then he started getting really aggressive of like, oh, well, I'm you know, we've got a Whole Foods trip where we're going to like Puerto Rico or something and you need to come with me on that. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable traveling with people. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something I want to do. And he's like, well, then you're just wasting my time. I was like, okay, if that's the way you feel, then you can find somebody else who can fulfill those needs for you. But the boundary I've said is it's just dates. Yeah. And you set that boundary up front. Up front always. Yeah. Because honestly, most of the time, I mean, I had fun. Some of those people were fun to have conversations with. Yeah. But like you said, it's putting on. Yeah. And so I never really felt fully comfortable. Sometimes I'd pick dates like pinballs, which is like an arcade place or movie theater. So I wouldn't have to talk to them. You could be doing something. I was like, I do not want to have these like boring conversations where I'm like, having to like because maybe I was kind of having to put on a persona myself of being like sexy and entertaining yeah like even being interested if you're having to feign interest like that right there is like sort of putting on something or at the very least it's like it's draining for sure yeah it's not people I knew I was like wanting to build romantic relationships outside of this or that I maybe even found interesting outside of that um but no it's not very different from what I found online I just feel I do feel a little bit safer online although I will say people get really aggressive with like wanting to dox you online yeah um and i can say at least with the in-person stuff like you still worry about like them like following you home and things like that but that is a little bit easier to monitor versus like some internet hacker who's trying to find your address to send it online to everybody just crazy to think about but then it does kind of make sense with like the way that like a lot of times men are living in a fantasy world when it comes to this and like oh yeah she likes when i'm being like aggressive and sexy and that's what i see on tv and that's what 50 shades of gray showed me is that like being creepy like this or what is that it's like 365 days that netflix movie where he like kidnaps her oh god yeah it's like this it's like a film that like is like there's a second one got put out and it was like really big so he's like oh it's so sexy like kidnaps this woman and then she like falls in love with him awful and they're like oh it's so sexy and i'm like no no don't normalize this well that's the thing it's like it's so hard because and i've heard men use this as like a but, 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 or like a devil's advocate thing, but this idea of like, well, I've kissed girls before, or I've asked to kiss a girl before, and then she says, never ask first. It's not sexy. And so it's like, so now I'm confused because there's all this talk about like, we, we have to be very explicit about what we want, and I, you have to make sure that it's what I want first. And he's like, and they're like, and I respect that, but then when I ask, I get told that it's like not sexy, and I'm not being aggressive enough, and that there's like, there's this weird line, and blah, blah, blah. I don't know about you, but. I want to know everything first yeah, and it doesn't much, make it less sexy for me. I would much rather somebody ask and then it like be kind of awkward that you asked and then we can set up, okay, in the future, now I feel comfortable with you kissing me. You don't right. have to ask It doesn't have to anymore. be like you ask and then we immediately do. Like it can be in a week, a week later. That like a dumb excuse that guys yeah. are wanting to use to be like, oh, well, one time when I didn't, when I asked and right. she didn't like it, but it's like, okay, but do you not know how to read body language? Right. Do you not know how to read an uncomfortable room? And the majority of men don't because they weren't 
we weren't really taught how to read like love languages, body languages, what the difference between cathexis and love is. Yeah. And, like men often think because a woman cares about them or shows care that there's like something more there. When in reality, it's like any other person in this room could have read that energetically her body was closed off. Yeah. She was not wanting you to kiss her. Yeah. She did not want you to touch her. And it was very explicitly there. Yeah. But he was like, well, but like she didn't say that. And I don't know. I didn't see that. And one time right. somebody told me not to do or that. Or she was being friendly. It's like yeah. there's like that really funny meme where it's like, is she flirting or is she just hot and talking? Which is funny, but also it's like, kind of, you know what I mean? It's, it's like just because somebody is talking to you and you find them attractive, you're not having a moment. You're no. not like being flirted with. Maybe sometimes, but you can't just like immediately think because you like want to have sex with someone and they're not telling you to fuck off immediately that they're open or game for anything the problems with our communication are like so 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 deeply rooted and like so early on rooted in the society that we've built that it just like breaks my heart anybody who feels confusion on communication and boundaries please just start with reading some books yeah read bell hooks about love absolutely and even if you're like oh i'm not trying to learn about love like love is the general basis right. of what we need to learn how to understand one another yeah. and i'm it's just like it's crazy to me it baffles me that like we can be almost 30 years old and there's people that don't know how to read body language that don't know how to ask for consent for small things that don't know how to like openly communicate their kinks um I, I will praise OnlyFans for this getting to be a place where we can safely do some of that stuff. Yeah. And where people can maybe feel okay expressing these things and learn how to have consent with that differing from person to person. It's so funny you say that because the biggest, other than asking for sexual things, the biggest thing I get on live streams on OnlyFans messages is, I have this kink. You know about it because we're on OnlyFans. How do I tell my next partner? How do I tell my partner? They have no idea. It's like I get that question. I've gotten that question, not exaggerating, probably a hundred times from people on OnlyFans. Which makes me so sad because I think that like generally the fear that people have is like, oh, well, what if this person doesn't like me because of this? Yeah. And then like the basis of that is then maybe they're not the person, right? If you can't have these open, honest conversations and they're going to be freaked out, grossed out by you, whatever it is, then they're probably not somebody you need to build a relationship with. Absolutely. But I think like the world we've built of like codependency, and I hate using these like thrown out therapeutic terms because it's like, it's so much deeper than having codependent issues. But I do think part of the problem is, is, is that, is this like, we're so afraid to not be loved and so afraid to not be liked that we're actually causing ourselves to not be loved and liked, right? Like right. we close ourselves off to finding the people who are going to love us for who we are. Because if you're going to come in, and of course there's a respectful, kind way to like bring up your kinks and boundaries. Yes. The first time I meet someone, I'm not going to be like, here's the deal. Right, exactly. Well, okay, that's kind of not true. I might tell them that. I'm like, would you be in a Shrek porn parody? But (laughs) there's like a level to humor to that, right? Right. But I'm not going to be like intimately like, here's the craziest thing that I'm into the first time I meet somebody. But eventually I am going to bring those sides of me out. Of course. And if I'm too afraid that like, oh God, this person's going to think I'm weird or like, oh, what if they don't like that sometimes I'm not this put on or X, Y, and Z, then I'm closing myself off to finding the people who are going to love that I wax and wane, that are going to love the crazy kinky side of me. Yeah. Are going to like leave room for me to want to change and grow. Because also 
part of relationships, whether it's on OnlyFans, whether it's with friends, is we're all going to change in what we want. Yeah. If we can't have a conversation about just at the baseline of what we like. It's never going to work out. 10 years down the road, you're like, okay, now I don't like this thing. It actually makes me really uncomfortable. And I like this thing, but I don't know how to communicate this. And now I just hate my partner instead. Right. And then you grow this resentment and this unhappiness. And then you cheat and you get divorced. And it's like this whole thing. So, yeah, it's really hard. And it's interesting, too, because I get that. It's like, how do I – it's like I feel like I kind of want to go up to them and be like, look, this is going to be really, really weird. But I have to tell you something. And that's always the thing that I'm like – steer. I steer them away from. I'm like, if you make it bigger – it's going to feel bigger to them. Yeah. You know what? It's like when you know when somebody like, like texts you and they're like, I have to talk to you about something, <sighs> but I want to do it in person. <sighs> Can I see you in two weeks? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Now I have to sit in this for two weeks. And then they do it. And it's the littlest yeah, thing. Yeah, you're like, we had to, I literally panicked about this for. Actually, <laughs> like, no, it's, 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 it's emotional torture. Yeah. And it's kind of similar with that. It's like if, if, if Kellen had, I don't know, a scat kink, let's yeah. say. And he sat me down and he was like, listen, I have to tell you about something. And I'm really ashamed of yeah, it. It's, nasty, this is going to be really gross, fucked up. Weird. Like, And I totally understand if you want to leave me after this. Versus if he was like, listen, you know, I trust you enough to just tell you I'm into this. And I know it's not the most conventional thing. And, you know, there are ways around it if you're not completely comfortable. But, like, I just wanted to be open with you about, like, let's figure out maybe a happy medium. Yeah. And he comes at it from this place Precedent is so important. Like he comes at it comes at it at this place where he feels really chill about it. It's automatically going to make me feel more chill about oh, it, yeah. and I'm going to be like, oh, maybe this isn't as like weird as I thought it was. Or yeah. like maybe we can find a place where like I can find a way to enjoy this myself. Yeah, and that's how you get to explore new things with people. I remember like I used to have hard nose on some stuff because I was like, no, yeah, no way I'd be into that. No. Yeah. And then I'd have somebody approach me in that way. And one of my favorite people that I used to hook up with also is a performer. And he just was really good at being calm and collected about things. And I remember the first time he was like, I want to fist you. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. What? Because you like, hear that word. And yeah, it's very, and I like, was like, I had all this like stigma behind it. And I was like, my body can't do that. Yeah. I was like, got pretty little, t-, you know, I had all these like. Yeah. <laughs> but then when we like really eased into like what it actually was. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, this was a lot more intimate than I thought it was yeah. going to be. I was like, I actually really enjoyed this. And I'm like, all right, now who am I going to find to fist me now? Yeah. <laughs> now I get to be the person. Now you get like, to be the one. Yeah. And I'm but like, that's well, kind of beautiful. This is how you communicate. Yeah. This is how you step by step it. And it's funny because. Because it's like, I think people are like, oh, well, you have to be this confident sex worker to have these conversations. And I'm like, no, you just have to be a person that's like willing to have vulnerability. And, and that accepts it. Accept, if you don't accept it for yourself first, yeah. how are other people supposed to? Like if you're holding shame around something that you love and you feel really awful for liking it. How do you expect other people to be chill and open about doing it with you? They're not. Yeah, you're going to build this like level of uncomfortability just in general. Completely. It could even be outside of sex, right? It could be like, oh, you know, like I have a lot of shame about the music I like listening to. Yeah. And so you're like hiding that from somebody and you're in your car on your own, like jamming it, having a good time around people. You're like, no, I fucking hate country music. Yeah. And then it's like, but what could happen if you just open that up and then you found out your best friend also secretly loves country music and then you get to bond over that. Exactly. You get to like experience this thing together. And I don't know, like that's the part of life that I want to enjoy. I want to have these like connections with people finding what we have in common, finding the things that we like. And if we don't have like, I don't know, I feel like my challenge is like there's always going to be something we have in common. Always. On the surface, it feels like we're complete opposite people, can never like each other. Yeah. My goal is like, I want to find it. Yeah. I want to figure out what it is and in a way that's like consensual and comfortable. Right. Let's navigate this. Because when you have that moment, it's fucking amazing. It's amazing. It's like this slight 
it's, it's like so good instantly it's like the golden hours yeah rushed in and you're like see now i feel connected to the earth and the people around me. it's like this like almost like deep like spiritual thing for it me. is like, to like find these things that i'm like oh my gosh or to explore something new with somebody and it's like it's really amazing that we have these opportunities and it makes me really sad that some people are going to go their entire lives without getting to experience those with partners yeah. or become 40, 50 before they experience it for the first time when all you have to do is start opening yourself up to intimacy now and like having open conversations behind it, loving yourself and not in the cheesy, like learn to love yourself, right. yourself, but like genuinely, truly loving yourself, yeah. all parts of yourself, the dark, twisted, maybe messy parts of you. That's yeah. all part of like figuring out what you want and connecting with people it is and and that's the biggest thing is the connection because I remember I had a guest once and they we were talking about something and they were like being better isn't just being better for yourself it's being better for that person you're communicating it with and then if you guys end up breaking up that person they're kind of communicating with. It's like if you set this precedent that it's okay to be open and it's okay to like love yourself and all those parts of you that we're talking about you're telling that person that it's okay. And then yeah. they're telling that person it's okay. And then eventually that's how we destigmatize these things. And that's how we make all this normalized and cool and okay and like let go of that deep rooted shame that we all have is just by accepting it for yourself and then letting it flow through other people. Yes, yes, Brene Brown. Over yes. Here. <laughs> I feel like that's something I was always really lucky with though is like shame for some reason is emotion I never struggled with. And yeah. So I know I'm like really privileged and lucky in that. Like people be like, what's your most embarrassing moment? And I couldn't tell you what my most embarrassing – I could tell I love you that. stories I think are hilarious <laughs> yeah. because I'm like, it's all just part of my experience. But then I know people who like can remember this memory from they're five years old or they said the wrong thing mm-hmm. and they've held on to that their whole life. So yep. I'm like, I can't even imagine what that feels like. But I just know I want to help you break that because for sure that doesn't matter. Most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't. Things. And it's the other like, people what? around probably don't even remember it. No. I can still picture the exact scene and every detail of the first time I queefed in front of a boy. Like, really? you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't think that queefing specifically is the through line, but I grew up Catholic and I grew up with, so, you know, they, yeah. they love their shame. And so I grew up with a decent amount of shame. And so I think anything embarrassing, but anything embar- embarrassing specifically that had to do with sex very much sticks yeah, with me. Very, vivid, very vivid, very visceral for me. So it's like, I feel like I'm in a better place now, but I look back at all the time that I wasted that I could have just been like laughing yeah. or thinking it was funny or just like having a good time. And I was like, I think back to that story and for not exaggerating, probably 10 years after it happened, every time I thought about it, I would like wince. Like even if I was in the shower alone, it was like, it was like a physical thing that like I was like oh my god it like really fucked me up for so long and I remember one day I was like who gives a fuck yeah that part person probably doesn't remember they just remember how good like the sex was yeah it was probably like like, it was high school so it was probably like oh my god it was like a sex with a girl it was like you know what I mean right (laughs) (laughs) I mean I feel like part of it too is I was like forced to not have shame because I I grew up in like a very small conservative town so very young there was already like a lot of bullying I went through a lot of assumptions made about my family yeah my family were like very clearly like drug addicts um um, and then my mom got into the church and she was a single mom, which is like a whole thing. Of course. Um, we were very, very religious. And I actually was like, I self-chose abstinence outside of like church and religion. It's yeah. something I chose for myself. But there was this like 
big thing around my school that I was like the biggest slut. That oh, I slept God. around with everybody. My cheer coach started rumors about <gasps> me like giving blowjobs in the bathroom. And part of it started is that I had a friend with uh, muscular dystrophy. Okay. And he couldn't like he would need help. Like I'd carry him in his wheelchair up the stairs sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I'd help him in the bathroom. So that started when like I started helping him go to the bathroom. And people started that like rumor. And he's like, well, you can tell people. He's like, you know, my penis doesn't even work. So you can tell people that. Yeah. And I kind of easy ate it and was like, you know what? No. And I was like, I'm not going to like fuel the rumors. Yeah. But they can say whatever the fuck they want to say. And he's like, you don't, you're not like embarrassed about it. I'm like, you know, what? I can't change it at this point. Yeah. You know, like people said the worst things about me. I remember like if you'd see me in the hallway and people would be like, oh, it's like throwing hot dogs down a hallway or like, oh, I can smell her pussy from here. Awful. And I just didn't care anymore. I got to like the bullying hurt for a while, but then I got to a point I was like, you know what? Who gives a fuck what any of these people think about me? Wow. I have people in my life who are really caring. I know that I, I've, even if I had sex, it's not anyone's business. But yeah. I, like, I know that I've not even had sex before. And so I'm like, all these rumors mean nothing to me. So kind of, I think shame kind of went out the window then for me where I was like, you know what? People are going to think whatever they want about yeah. me. Like have these like shameful, embarrassing stories about me that aren't even real. So who cares about the real stuff at this point? That is so amazing that you had the complete opposite versus like holding this like very deep rooted shame for a long time. You just immediately were like, Dude, fuck this. Yeah. I mean, there was areas where like religious guilt definitely came in when I actually started having sex. Yeah. For sure. And of that course. was like hard for me. Um, and I had very boring sex for a long time. Because Same. it still was really like I remember masturbating felt like the biggest sin I oh, ever yeah. committed. Like I when I looked back like shame for a while, it was like the first time I like fucked my hairbrush. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I would look back and like wince and be like, oh my God, I'm going to hell for this. Or yeah. the first time like my friend and I tried tampons together and like looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to hell for this. Yeah. Now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, every young girl has these experiences. Oh yeah. I remember the first few times like literally being on top and immediately feeling guilt. Yeah. And being like, what what is this? What is this? Yeah. Is like God's watching me. And it was almost always right after I came too, which was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think it was a pleasure thing. It yeah. Was like I felt guilty feeling pleasure at any point. Like, same thing with like thinking about the first times I masturbated. I wasn't feeling guilty on the daring. It was always once I then felt pleasure that yeah. then I felt like I was doing something wrong. Which is so fucked up because like what does that say about like cis straight woman's psyche in terms of like if we're doing it for a man, if we're a vessel, it's okay. But if we're enjoying it, all of a sudden now mm-hmm. the guilt is coming in. That's like so layered and yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Definitely worked through it now. Shout out to every badass woman who writes books. Pleasure activism is a really good one. Though it's not technically written for like straight white women, although I am queer, I will say it's like a, it's a great, great read for anybody to like learn more, understand things, learn how to have no guilt and shame and pleasure. Come As You Are is another great one. Incredible book. Amazing. And I wish these sort of things I had available as tools when I was younger. Oh, me too. But I do think that this generation has a lot more access to these sort of things. And I I honestly, I think they're going to be great. I know. It's insane. It's going to be great. Yeah, I feel like I first noticed that. Actually, it was when I first bought Come As You Are. And I remember I was so excited because it was like at the front of a bookstore of like a very popular bookstore. It was like a CD. It was like a a Barnes & Noble-esque store. And it was all the different – it was, like, new fiction, new in YA, and it was, like, new in sex and pleasure right up there with all these books, with Bell Hooks, with Come As You Are, with The Body Keeps Score, all these books. And it was, like, oh, it is – we are normalizing this shit out here. Okay. I love that. That is amazing. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for the future. It's only going to get better. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I I love love that we just, like, winged it. We didn't, like, for any listeners, we didn't really have a topic 
I I feel like we were just like, let's just chat. We we obviously knew that we both do some sort of sex work and all this stuff. So I kind of like had an idea of where the conversation was going to go, but I wasn't worried at all. I had zero idea and was like, let's just hope I don't like completely forget my entire life and everything I think once I'm sitting here. Yeah. No, I feel like if anything, it was like, it just flowed extremely well. Yeah. So Yeah, this was nice. Thank Thanks you for, for coming on. Me. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will leave Cece's Instagram as well as some of the books we mentioned in the description. If you did enjoy the episode, I would love if you would leave it a review, whether that's on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps me out. If you want more Was That Good For You, you can follow us on Instagram at Was That Good For You. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.